went to Arizona State. Right. I'm a sun devil, man. State of the Sun Devils with Jeremy Schnell, Jesse Morrison, and Mitch Bereldis, an Arizona sports podcast. Hello and welcome into another edition of the State of the Sun Devils podcast here on Arizona Sports. Mitch Vareldis, Jesse Morrison here. Jeremy Schnell is enjoying his honeymoon, so he is not with us currently. Definitely didn't pay a bunch of attention to the no. Arizona Arizona State game. <laughs> Definitely that was tonight. not texting the both of us yep. during this game. While Definitely was wasn't listening to Tim Tim Healy's <laughs> broadcast. So Jeremy is not in today, but we have a great fill-in host for this edition, the post-territorial cup edition. Damon Allred, one of our great writers with KTAR. And Arizona sports, also a really big college hoops head. So we figured he would be perfect to talk about this one and his affection for Caleb Love. Would that be the perfect way to put it, Damon? Yes, noted Caleb Love affectionate, Damon Allred. <laughs> of course, this is not necessarily the podcast to be affectionate about Caleb Love, but um, we will mention the things that he did to help propel Arizona in this one. 85-67 final in favor of the Wildcats in Tempe. Uh, Jesse, why don't we just start with initial takeaways? Because I think you and I agree the biggest thing that we noticed was the difference in play from the first half to the second half for the Sun Devils in this one. Yes, definitely. In the first half, what really stood out to me was ASU just wasn't being as physical as Arizona. They were just getting kind of bullied down low. Um, Second half didn't see that as much as they started to make a run. Um, but really, in the in the first half, they they were just bullied, and you can kind of you can kind of look at the stats and and for the game and see that you know Arizona forty four points in the paint, ASU twenty points in the paint, um, Arizona fifteen second chance points, ASU five, and they were killed on the glass forty three to forty. Um, so just overall, not a good start to the game. I think they went down thirty to twelve. ASU did, and then. You know, they made that run, but, at, you know, it was one of those games where it just felt like, you know, this this game is going to be close down the stretch. But that first half and that they're just not going to be able to overcome that first half. And that's just what it was. I mean, they, they played really well in the second half. Just wasn't enough to overcome it. Yeah, you mentioned that 30 to 12 point. I think that by the end of the first half, it started to get a little better for ASU. Yeah. Um, capitalized by that uh, three-pointer that Frankie Collins hit right before halftime. And then ASU comes out with the 10-2 start in the second half. So it really felt like they were doing the thing that ASU has done a lot this year where they don't quite play full 40 minutes, but they just play really well in spurts. And it felt like maybe that we were going to get a spurt that would be good enough to at least keep the game competitive for the rest of the way, but it only worked out for so long, right? Well, I'll tell you what. They did get it that spurt that made it as competitive as it was in the second half. I mean, they got it to within five at one point, at a at a very pivotal point in the second half, too. Like, with the it was in the second... It was the, the latter 10 minutes of the game, is what I'm trying to say, where they got it to within a five-point game. They just... They couldn't get that extra offensive possession to really make it tough for Arizona, but... The physicality was vast improved in the second half. Jesse, you mentioned it a lot that this was going to be one of those games where ASU was really going to step it up in the second half, but they weren't able to really push it over that line and find themselves even closer than five. Yeah, it just kind of felt like one of those games where or it was one of those games where 
ASU would bring it super close, and then every single time they brought it super close. And, and shout out to U of A for doing this. U of A had an answer every single time. Yep. And they weren't. They were never. ASU was never able to get over the hump. U of A always was there with a you know a three that was a killer or you know uh, a a nice you know drive or whatever. It was just. It wasn't. It just never. Even at a five point game, I was like, I just don't really see this being an ASU victory, but what you do want in games like this is some competition and it to be, you know, a rowdy atmosphere. And at least that was what we got in this game because the last one was awful compared. Like this was so much of a better game. This was, and it was easier for Jesse and I, Damon, to experience it this way. But the the fans were really engaged, not just from the ASU side, but from the U of A side as well. Oh, it's always it was, the back and forth chance, no matter where you. But you, you loved are. the back and forth because yeah. you just you didn't really get that to Jesse's point in the first territorial match. So it was refreshing to have some nice little banter and nice opportunities for both fan bases to really get involved in this one. Right. Exactly. And. That's kind of how it always has been in this rivalry, where the the U of A matchup at McHale is just as U of A heavy as it possibly can be, and then it almost like bleeds over into the matchup in Tempe, where maybe the people who didn't get to go to the one at McHale are right. now making their way over to the Desert Financial Arena, and so it's rare to ever see it go the other way. I don't know that we'll ever see it go the other way where ASU is suddenly invading McHale, but maybe we can get there someday, right? You would hope so. And I think (laughs) Jesse and I, uh, we had a different perspective watching the game today. We were um, within the crowd yeah, and were you in an Arizona zone? We kind of were actually like, yeah, a lot of U of A fans around us in our section and like, on our side of the arena. We were in the area that was over the ASU bench, too. Not on the uh, sideline, but on the baseline. So we at least were within an area that you would have thought would have been a little more heavily populated with um, ASU fans. Yeah, got a good perspective of uh, watching Bobby during the game. Um, <laughs> he was very um, animated at times with the officials. But, you know, I, I think that watching him from this angle made me... A little bit reassessed just kind of some of the things that I have thought about him just regarding like he he coaches his players. He's out there doing his thing. Like sometimes I've thought, you know, coach coach more argue less. But I what I saw tonight, he was coaching his players. Also, I will say that like the refs were heavily bailing out ASU in this game. Like this was one of the games that I've I've seen ASU just get more calls than, you know, most games that I've. I've seen them play. Um, Jaden Bradley had four fouls. Kylan Boswell had four fouls for Arizona. And you can tell that a lot of them, it it was when ASU was getting into the paint. So it was when they were finally driving inside. And when you're watching it live, you you don't necessarily react in a way of, oh, my gosh, that's a foul. But it's a uh, uh, swipe the... Swipe the sweat off the brow there because so many ticky tacks on fast breaks. It felt like where there was a wide open teammate that an ASU player could have passed to. And instead they go in for a layup and it's a, you know, ticky tack foul that they get that bails them out from not making the right pass in that situation. So I want to really quickly touch on how scoring was distributed because going back through the box score, 
Um, the point totals, I'm not too uh, surprised by. Adam Miller led uh, ASU with 16. Frankie Collins had 15. Jose Perez, 14. Jemaya Neal, 12. Here's where I have a bit of a gripe. Adam Miller was 6 of 8 from the floor. He was the team's leading scorer, but he took the fourth most shot attempts. Most, most shot attempts went to uh, Frankie, and then followed by Jemiah, and then followed by Alonzo Gaffney, who, very, very rough night offensively for Alonzo. I... If if you have a hot hand, Damon, and I've said this enough times where I'm blue in the face, if you have a hot hand, you need to feed it. Adam Miller was clearly, as far as offense was concerned, the hot hand. And this was an offensive struggle for ASU, a team that finished just 35 percent from the field tonight. Yeah, Adam was also the only guy off the bench to have um, an assist. And outside of Frankie and Gaffney, the only Sun Devil to hit a three as well. Yeah. Um, it just Three ball was rough. Yeah, it just didn't get to Adam's hands enough. It felt like like when we watch ASU, we know that it's going to be one of those core four scorers who ends up having the big night. And in this case, it was those four are the only four guys in double figures for ASU tonight. Um, it almost felt like Adam Miller at times was invisible just because of how few touches he was getting. And um, I'm not sure if that's like something where as a product of coming off the bench, maybe they need to be more assertive in that. You know, he was coming off the bench, I'm sure, due it, to it was Bobby. Pure, it was purely it the was senior, senior day, day thing, yeah. which Move. we should probably get into here. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, obviously, you want to start your seniors on senior night. But in this game against the number six team in the country, I don't know if I would have put, and this is not just because, you know, it's the coach's son or whatever, like, I totally understand starting your walk-ons on senior night. But when it is a game of this magnitude, I know they're pretty much out of the tournament unless they or they are out of the tournament. They have they, to win the yeah, conference tournament, to win period. The, the yeah. conference title. But still, like ha- maybe have them in there, win the tip, one possession, get him out of there. Like he played like three, four minutes to start the game. And you know, it was just one of those things for me that's like, I get it. I 100% get it, but... Give him the honor, yeah. but then get him out of there and get into your, yeah, your you've, normal you've routine. Got, you've got to make sure that you're putting the best five on the floor for the maximum amount of time that you possibly can. Um, and I know that there's that line, but and like I, I'm not anti-starting Bobby here. It's just one of those things where he just... You've got every every possession, every moment in this game matters. And when Adam Miller coming off the bench, you know, I just just maybe it took them a little bit just because of the whole different lineup to start the game. And a lineup that they're probably they probably don't even play it that lineup ever in practice. Like I'm sure Bobby Jr.'s on scout team with like, you know, the rest of the walk ons that just kind of, you know, mimic opponents and do do the kind of things that walk-ons do to get the the starters ready to go and and so i just i don't know about the the four minutes there um i think it could have led you know i think it it might have gotten some things discombobulated at the beginning of the game and i think it's something that i noticed you know he got those couple offensive rebounds early and that was probably a good sign for the elder bobby in terms of his decision to Keep the sun out there for it was pretty so aggressive long. on right. defense too. It was nice to see. And 
like going back to the Washington game with the the line change that started the 25 point comeback, Bobby Jr. was part of that line change. And I think that, you know, the elder Bobby just trusts him in terms of the effort that he's going to bring. And so I sensed pretty quickly that, you know, the younger Bobby was going to probably stay in until that first media timeout just because of how um, coach likes to have the effort be set, you know, in that way. I mean, it seemed fine at first because Arizona only had the one three or the three points and then eventually the six points through the first like three minutes or so of the first half. But then after a while, when ASU is really struggling to get a bucket and they had a lot of open looks in the first half that just did not go. So however they were setting their screens and moving players around the arc, it was working. But the problem was, is they weren't making those open opportunities. And in a game where you finish 35% from the floor and U of A finishes 54% from the floor, you have to make the most of those open opportunities. And it's just a bummer that it didn't work out that way for ASU. I just wish Bobby Jr. had been able to go to the free throw line. He almost went. <laughs> he was right. this close. <laughs> he almost went to the free throw line, but they kept it on the floor. He was like lining up ready to shoot. And, you know, that would have been electric at the start of the game to have him make a couple of free throws there. That that would have been super cool. And just how quickly that that three zero start turned into eleven three or eleven two or whatever it was. It just unraveled on them. I yeah. don't know what happened. For just the most part. in a blink of an eye, it turned into a different game. So let's go through. Let's talk about the crowd. Actually, um, it was fourteen thousand two hundred twenty nine was the final total. It was also the fourth largest attended game by the ASU student section. Uh, the four, the first being the UCLA game last year, second being the USC game earlier this calendar year when, of, of course, Bronny James is coming to town. Yep. And then this one f- coming in fourth as far as attendance goes. And it was a very energetic crowd that that hung around through most of it. Once it got away towards the end, you could start to see peel, people peel out. But I think the crowd played an awesome factor in tonight's game. Yeah, students have been really good the past couple of years, I would say. Um, honestly, going back to kind of the start of the Bobby era, not necessarily the very beginning, but toward when they when they got up super high after beating Kansas in 2017 and they took those seat covers off in the upper upper rows, that was kind of when you're like, OK, th- these fans are showing out. And it's not been consistent, but yeah, but I think that one of those th- the, the interest by the students definitely will be something that's a positive whenever Bobby Hurley is no longer the coach of Arizona State men's basketball. Um, yeah, it was a good crowd tonight. There were a couple people there, too, as well. Um, I think Kyler Murray leaving at halftime uh, made the game. So, so we assume. Yeah. We, we saw him go through the tunnel, <laughs> yes, and then we they saw did him not see the, him again. Go through the tunnel, take some pictures <laughs> with some fans. Shout out Kyler for doing that. But, yeah, he left, and then the game got good. So, I guess... You got to get Kyler Murray. Are you to, saying it's an omen? No, you you just no, you just got to get Kyler Murray to show up and then leave, and then the game will, will you know then oh, you'll get a good stop. game. Stop! Now people are going to take that the wrong way. It's not. No, I love Kyler. He's the yeah. he is the franchise quarterback for QB the Arizona. If you ask Twitter, yeah, QB one. He is QB one. Like like I think that he should remain Arizona's quarterback at least next season. So I want. I just want to get that on. Okay, continue, on record. continuing with the quick tangent do you yes, guys see then the there photo a- <laughs> on twitter of 
Kyler Murray, Corbin Carroll, Devin Booker all locked arms and taking a photo together. Was that it, tonight? Or was I don't that, know when I it was. I thought that was at the Bad Bunny concert. I don't know when it was. It was circulating. It was, probably was from yesterday evening. Uh, we're recording this late Wednesday night. That's just an encapsulation of what Arizona sports is right now. And I got to be honest, that felt really cool to see. Oh, yeah. To know that this is what it's going to be going forward. But uh, getting back to this game. Kenny yeah, Dillingham, though. We, we Kyler being there. Mention. Kenny Dillingham was yeah. there, of course. Uh, Trenton Borgay was throwing out some T-shirts during one of the intermission breaks. Um, NIL legend Trenton Borgay. <laughs> the legend Trenton Borgay. We love him. Great, great uh, friend of the show. Um it was a really engaged crowd, and that was good to see. That was the point that I was trying to get to, yes, at least um, that discussion. Can I get into my uh, quick tangent about being a fan and going to you this game? you have a tangent rant? Yes. Rant tangent? Yes. Rantgent. Okay. Rantgent. So <laughs> I usually go to Desert Financial Arena as a media member. I have been to the games as a fan, like, twice in the past, like, three seasons. Seldom. Yeah. And before that was, was COVID year. And then before that, I was a student, so I was standing the whole game. And so that didn't really affect me. But sitting in the desert financial seats in the first level, like, you know, we had seats tonight. Like, I'm not like I'm not going to brag here, but <laughs> there were seats that if you if you sat there, you're like, oh, these are good seats. Like, oh, nice you seat. guys were courtside, weren't you? No, we no, were not, we no, were not courtside, no. but we, we had we had good <laughs> seats like, you know. Most people would probably be like, oh, nice seats if they sat down, you know, and didn't know where they were sitting before right. they entered the arena. Um, but like. I was I still felt so cramped. There's like no leg room at this place. Um, and then going to through the. Concourse at halftime was it just such a log jam. Uh, Mitch mentioned there's four bathrooms total in the entire facility. For At least if fans, my math is correct, which are the two. Mitch there's there's two math. women's. <laughs> there's two women's restrooms and two men's restrooms at DFA. Right. Um, and of course, they're on opposite sides of the arena. So if you go the wrong direction, like I did when we entered the arena yeah. from the uh, entrance that we did. And then I took apparently the incorrect turn in trying to find the rest. Yeah, again, and we, we've mentioned on this podcast the lack of railings, you know, for the uh, largely older population of ASU fans that come to games. Um, I I was on the renovation bandwagon. I'm no longer on the renovation bandwagon with DFA. I think they need to tear it down and build a new, new arena. That is just my opinion. Um, even like. When they took the, the seat covers were, were kind of nice because it spruced up the place a little bit. There were some like nice designs. You had some athlete photos up there when they when they took this off. You can see like kind of the water stains on the walls and everything. And mm -hmm. it, and like they, they probably should like give that a touch up paint job, something like that, um, at least. But like, you know, I'm I'm usually pro renovation for anything. I don't like building new stadiums. I think it's a lot. Um, but in this instance, like they should play at the Suns arena for a little bit, uh, you know, and then figure it out from there. You know, I, I would like the location to be the same, but just, you know, a new arena there and make it a little bit smaller, like 12,000. Can you fit a basketball court in mullet arena temporarily? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, but like the, the problem is, is that currently there's 
I mean, if the after the Coyotes leave, I think it could be reasonable. But it's also smaller seating wise. Like you would you would draw smaller crowds like as a Cameron result. Indoor. <laughs> That's fine. That's for, <laughs> yeah, but Cameron Indoor is like twice the size of it. It's like eight thousand. <laughs> Yeah, mullet's like three thousand. Mullet's like forty six hundred, something like that. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, and it, it's also built for hockey. So there's going to be those extended like seat things for basketball. Look, if anything, but like, again, they they've got to figure out where gymnastics and you know all those other volleyball, sports, volleyball, wrestling. volleyball wouldn't be that big of an issue because it doesn't coincide with the basketball season. But you have you have men's and women's basketball. You have wrestling. You have um, gymnastics, well, gymnastics. like it, there's a lot that's going to be going on hockey. Obviously, that's the main purpose of Mullet Arena. Um, so it would be tough from a scheduling standpoint. That's the that's the issue. And that's why I think, you know, even something as wild as and they would get no crowds out there. But like even something as wild as Desert Diamond Arena or maybe Madhouse Madhouse. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say perfect. Maybe you could just consider being an off campus team like I don't when, want that. Well, okay, but that's going to kill the vibes that we were just talking about. I understand, but when the baseball team switched to Phoenix Municipal, that was a much better stadium as far as an upgrade. It didn't cost you anything to have to either tear down or renovate Packard, which, by the way, is still standing to this day. Build an arena there. <laughs> Build an arena where Packard is. Tuck it behind Mullet. Sure. Then you got really good. <laughs> you got a real. Oh man, we already have so many issues when it comes to parking build, and driving build around a that parking, place. Another parking deck right where DFA is. It's not that hard. I mean, look, we're, there, we're there's a lot of solutions here. Let's that are make one easy. thing clear: we're not city planners, but we do understand or, that. How about this? How about this? Have it be an on-campus arena, but like maybe the opposite end of campus. Why do all of the athletic facilities have to be in the same build location the in campus? Build the or, on campus. <laughs> uh, What'd you say? Build the TED. Maybe if they just put it closer. The Tempe to- Entertainment District? Yeah, there you go. Maybe if they just put it closer to Gamage. Play or, like, in, on the play in Gamage. Oh that would God. be awesome, actually. That uh, Back in the day, I believe there was a WNBA game at um, Rockefeller. Really? Yep. You got you got to wow. look it up. Or, one, I, how or would Radio you, City. It was either Radio City or Rockefeller. How would you modify that building? It's not. You be- just put the court on the stage. Huh. All right. Yeah. Well, Again, we're not city planners. We're not um, architects, at least as far as we know. But I don't even think the city would be that involved. It would just be ASU making this decision. But yeah, we're not, we're not going to hide from the fact that that arena is in desperate need of some improvements or it needs to be replaced or a replacement. Yeah. If you're Jesse needs to be replaced. Um, let's close on at least a uh, uh, a sentimental note. Let's call it uh, four seniors: uh, Alonzo yeah. Gaffney, Jose Perez, Zane Meeks. Uh, who it's a real bummer that he didn't get to play all that much this season because of the injuries. Uh, and then Bobby Hurley Jr. Uh, rank the four, them. The, rank them? No. Rank no, no, the not. seniors. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, out of respect to all four of those Favorite guys. to least I mean, favorite. Jose, not favorite, but Jose's the best of the four, obviously. Jose, personality-wise, is great. But Alonzo's been here. This has been, you know... It feels like Bobby he's kind of like the Kamani Lawrence of this team. Ooh. He's only this is only his third season at ASU, believe it or not. Well, because he had the the two years with um, I forget which community college he was at, but he transferred from. Yeah, I don't, there. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but the point being is like Gaffney is essentially a son, is a son of a lifer. Jose brought a lot of energy in his one and only season here at ASU. Bobby Hurley Jr. of course just has been 
that lovable guy, at least to the fan base and to the team. And then Zane Meeks, I, I wish that we gotten a little bit more of Zane Meeks because he could have been awesome for this team if he was healthy. Yeah. Um, but salute to them and thank you for your service to uh, ASU Athletics. Yeah. Jesse, any final thoughts on them? Um, not really. I mean, just Jose was just overall a joy, uh, both as a media member, you know, with him in press conferences and then just watching him play. Uh, I've never seen somebody with his game, as I've mentioned before, and it just kind of makes me happy that somebody with, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat things with his lack of athleticism um, <laughs> is able to do things like he was able to do and put up these kind of points in the Pac-12 of Division one college basketball like yeah. that. That makes me, you know. Think that. Maybe I can have a, a good future as a pickup player, <laughs> you know, and I can get better as a pickup basketball I mean, player. I mean, you're certainly tall enough. If you've ever met Jesse in person, you would understand. But I'm also horribly unathletic. I'm 6'4", but I've never been able to even get rim. <laughs> so that's like Jose Perez. I was exactly. going to say, that's that, what I'm saying. Hey, exactly. Basketball's not all about dunking. Exactly. Jose Perez, he sticks to the fundamentals. He's like 25, right? Yes, he's also like 25. This is his fifth school, which is also really in, funny. He's, he's like, been in college for a he's minute. He's like the epitome of the modern basketball player. So once again, the final. He's going to get his doctorate. From Desert Financial Arena, 85-67 in favor of Arizona. Um, Ari- All the seniors other than Bobby, by the way, are grad students. <laughs> Arizona uh, sweeps the season series against the men's. Uh, I also saw. I don't have the exact stat in front of me. I will uh, stall as I'm momentarily. Oh, is it, it the up. one I'm thinking of? The but seventy to seven stat? No, no, no. no. It's it's. Oh, less, I have another. It's stat. less tragic than that. It is okay. Here it is. Uh, not that I wanted to end with this, but it is the first time since 1998-99 that Arizona has swept Arizona State in football, men's and women's hoops. So, yeah. not necessarily a great mark on the ledger. What was your stat, Damon? So, do you remember 70 to 7? Uh, yes. Yeah, very well, as a matter of fact. Um, Arizona beat Arizona State in basketball by 63 points this year. Combined? Combined. Oh, how could that's you? That's a stat. The exact what same amount. What are you amount. doing to That's us, a Damon. stat, though. <laughs> I, that was, uh, I don't know where you saw that, but that was a, a very, uh, very good stat. You can shout out the the account. You can. Oh, we, we can shout out our boy Totree. Totree does a good job. Yeah, shout out Anthony Totree for PHNX Sun Devils. Um, that's gonna do it for this edition. Uh, be sure to follow all of our coverage at AZ Sports Devils. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, X slash Twitter, Threads. We have Threads. I think so. Yeah. Uh, we can also find us. Uh, Jesse will write articles occasionally for the podcast on ArizonaSports.com, mm-hmm. the Arizona Sports app. We've got video pods, not for this edition. This is just an audio yeah, edition. Jeremy's our video guy, and he's out at uh, <laughs> he's you know on it's his a, honeymoon. It's also at, twelve in the morning. Come on, yeah. let's not pretend like we were going to have a video pod for this. Yeah, we uh, would look beautiful right now on camera. Exactly. The, I, I think I look pretty good tonight. All of our video content can be found on the Arizona Sports YouTube page on YouTube. There's a lot of great content on there from the daily shows. Uh, I know there's a recent Empire of the Suns podcast that just got published as well. So great coverage to follow there. Shout out Suns. And I got to give a a women's hoop plug real quick. Oh, yes. Uh, This weekend, they're playing the um, California or the Southern California schools. UCLA is really good. But on Saturday, if you can get out there, you want to watch Juju Watkins. She's freshman phenom, has scored a bunch of points for USC. I mean, she's epic. 
Yes. If, if you were if you were one of the people noon that at, was DFA. if you were one of the people adamant about going to see Bronny James when USC came yes. to ASU, you should be just as adamant or excited about seeing Correct. Juju Watkins when uh, the the USC women's Trojans team Correct. makes their way to DFA. As far as the men's are concerned, they're done for the week. Like this was their one yep. and only game, and then Which they will, Mitch is very happy about. It. <laughs> and then they will head to Southern California to close out the year ahead of the Pac-12 tournament. LA in a couple trip, of weeks. let's go. LA trip, baby. Yeah, Thanks. a lot of LA schools left for these teams. Thanks to Jesse. Thanks to Damon uh, for taking the time to fill in and talk some college hoops with us. Uh, I'm Mitch Veraldis, and shout out to Jeremy Schnell as well. We'll be back next week.